Hello, I'm Chief Security Officer Fred Burton, and this podcast is brought to you by Stratfor, the world's leading geopolitical intelligence platform. To learn more about Stratfor Worldview, ThreatLens, or Stratfor's custom advisory services, visit us at stratfor.com. Some people would like a plot that heads almost straight to the end point. It's like a, a cruise missile. They want to just get to where they, the author should get at the end. My experience, if you're dealing with North Korea, that never happens. For many in the West, North Korea is, quite frankly, an enigma a closed society with limited access of which they actually know very little beyond the highly politicized rhetoric of what's shaping their understanding for more than half a century. For a peek inside the Hermit Kingdom, Stratfor's Fred Burton speaks with a former Western intelligence officer who's written a series of mystery novels based on his time in North Korea using the pseudonym James Church. Church's main character, Inspector O, is a member of the Ministry for the People's Security in Pyongyang, And in addition to a compelling character and a great story, the details surrounding his experiences offers a unique perspective into what life is really like inside North Korea. Thanks for joining us. Hi, I'm Fred Burton here today with James Church, who is the author of six books of the Inspector O series. Mr. Church is a former Western intelligence officer And his books are simply fascinating, and those of us here at Stratfor are big fans. Uh, Mr. Church, uh, thanks for being with us today. I'm glad to be here. I hope um, James Church can remember enough about Inspector O to make this uh, worthwhile for you. The books (laughs) were written some time ago. Well, uh, they're wonderful reads, and I certainly would encourage uh, all of our listeners to uh, uh, examine Inspector O. Uh, first, as an author myself, Mr. Church, uh, I'm always uh, intrigued and fascinated by uh, how folks get in this business. Uh, uh, how did you become an author? <laughs> I won't say it was a mistake. I'll say it was just by chance. Uh, I had been flying across the Pacific with some friends uh, on our way to North Korea, and uh, we were in the North Korean consulate. Uh, waiting for the visas is a very quiet place. And I was uh, thinking to myself in a jet lag state, I wonder if anyone has ever written a mystery story about a North Korean police detective. And it came to me very quickly. No, I don't think anybody has. And so obviously I need to fill that gap. And the title came to me almost immediately, A Corpse in the Choreo. I said, that's it. And from that point on, I decided I had to write I had to write this book. It would be fun. It would be a relief from the goofiness that was going on around me. And so I just started taking notes and making observations. And at some point I had enough notebooks. I thought, well, maybe I should turn this into a book. Well, you did. And it's actually quite good. Uh, the, it's amazing to me, especially right off the bat, your first uh novel was so good. Uh, Let me also ask you, uh, this might be a little bit of a different question, but uh, 
Why the name James Church? I've talked to other authors in the past that have used pen names and so forth. Uh, is there any um, missing piece of the puzzle? Why the name or the pseudonym pen name James Church? Uh, well, first I had thought to use James Kirk, and then I realized it was already used in another guy. So I thought, well, James Church is good. I needed it to sound British, uh, so people would at first think that this was a uh, a Brit who was writing. And in fact, a lot of people have thought that, which pleases me. I just needed a, uh, a pseudonym because I knew I couldn't write under my true, na- true name on this series. That's most interesting. Uh, well, let me ask you a, a geopolitical question, since you've spent so much time in uh, the region. Uh, how would Inspector O view the current uh, dialogue uh, on the peninsula now with the uh, summits and the upcoming one with uh, President Trump. What would Inspector O say about this? <laughs> you know, these are the sorts of questions that I I flee from the room. <laughs> uh, inspector O is a, you know, he's a low-level police inspector. He watches what's going on around him. His first concern would be... <clears throat> that the president of the United States would come to Pyongyang and he would have extra duty. <laughs> like all good cops. That's right. <laughs> if they come through my sector, oh, no, what am I going to do? He's not really into geopolitics. Um, he understands the outside world somewhat. Uh, obviously, he's been out many times. I don't think he'd be flabbergasted by it. He understands that there are funny turns and twists in in how things develop. He he saw, for example, in the first book, you might remember that Japan and North Korea were moving toward, at that point, were moving toward some sort of an accommodation. So he's seen old enemies uh, settle their scores before. It's just part of the way history works. And I heard you say, Mr. Church, in the past, in a previous interview, that in your opinion, uh, the plots of your books unfold how intelligence unfolds. Could you explain that a bit for our listeners? Yes. In my experience, uh, when you're when you're doing <clears throat> intelligence work, it, it's rare that you go right to the right answer. In fact, you never go right to the right answer. You end up uh, going around corners and uphills and downhills, and after an enormous amount of work, you decide it's the wrong path, and you have to back up and start all over again. Uh, sometimes you have to make guesses, intelligent guesses, but still guesses on whether you're going to turn left or right at an intersection. If you're lucky, and the the turn you took is the one that leads you on to a path that helps you get to where you need to get. Sometimes it's the wrong turn, and you got to again. You got to back up. So, some people don't like it. Some people would like a plot uh, that heads almost straight to the to the end point. It's like a, a cruise missile. They want to just get to where they you you know the the author should get at the end. My experience, if you're dealing with North Korea, that never happens. And if you want to get a flavor for the place, you have to understand that you're going to go up blind alleys, Uh, you're going to drop into pits sometimes and have to climb out and wonder what happened. Eventually, you'll get in the general vicinity of the answer, but it will never be absolutely clear, and you have to satisfy yourself with a a significant 
amount of uncertainty. Yeah, that's very well said. Uh, and I've also seen you say that good intelligence takes imagination, which I think is uh, so true. I, I think that's um, a key ingredient in in good intelligence. And it's one of the things that too many analysts lack. They either pump up too much what they think is imagination and end up with total fiction. Uh, or all they do is they read the pieces of paper that come across their desk and don't realize that they really represent <clears throat> a three-dimensional place with real human beings. And unless you can put yourself in that situation, you won't really understand what those pieces of paper are telling you. So your imagination quota has to be properly apportioned. And it's hard. people think it's really hard to do with North Korea. It isn't. Uh, Everything you know or think you know about South Korea, you'll know about North Korea, I've, I've always thought. Yeah, that's most interesting. Uh, what do you make of um, the North Korean embassy in Berlin? I understand it's one of their largest that they have. Uh, uh, has that always been uh, an old stopping ground for the likes of Inspector O, oh, for example, or the, uh, the North Korean uh, security services? It, it was, yes, it was for a long time. It was a good place to uh, get a room and, uh, you know, <laughs> some food, make some contacts. Uh, it was close enough to the a uh, lot of Western services that you could rub shoulders with people. Uh, that's obviously that's all changed now. Uh, the Germans are looking more carefully at the North Korean embassy. It had to cut back on some of its... Uh, money-making operations. So it's, uh, it's sort of a shadow of what it once was. We'll get back to our conversation with author James Church in just one moment. But this kind of sober perspective on world affairs is the sort of work that we pride ourselves on at Stratfor Worldview. That's where we publish daily geopolitical intelligence, analysis, and forecasting that cuts through the headlines and political rhetoric to help members understand what is truly significant versus simply important. For more on this topic, we'll include links to related analysis and North Korea in the show notes. And if you're not already a Worldview member, you can learn more about individual, team, and enterprise access at worldview.stratfor.com slash subscribe. Now back to our conversation with Stratfor's Fred Burton and author James Church. How would you, in looking at the service in general, the whether it be the MSS or the NPS, uh, how would you rank them? Uh, you know, being in this business as long as folks like you and I have, I, I know that you know some very good services out there. The Iranians, the Russians, obviously. Where would you put the North Korean security services in general on a on a scale? You know, it depends on w what particular task you're talking about. Probably they've got knuckle draggers like everybody else does, who don't do a particularly fine job. They just have the muscle. But as far as the ability to work externally against their enemies, I think the North Korean services are, are very, very good. They're good at putting false information out. Uh, they're good at keeping tabs on people. Things are a little bit tougher now than they used to be, I think. But uh, I still think they rank up there. And the reason is, and we 
we probably sell them short sometimes. We don't understand how a system like the North Korean system, which is so closed and the education system would seem to be so limited, can produce such intellectually nimble, very perceptive, innovative people. We've seen it in their foreign ministry, and it's in their intelligence services, too. The best in each case is, I think, probably as good as any anything anywhere in the world. Wow, that's... Uh... That's very intriguing. I've I've never heard it put that way before, uh, and that certainly is uh, uh, is most enlightening. Do you think, Mr. Church, that they have a a global presence, uh, or would they be more uh, Asia focused in just general targeting and collection efforts? I don't know for sure. I got to remember that yes, they have they have one or two targets in particular, that they're watching, right? South Korea and the United States. They've got some uh, some interest in Japan, obviously, and it's a base for them. Uh, they have to keep tabs on the big, big powers, neighbors, who can cause them all sorts of unpleasantness. Other than that, I, I don't really know how much they operate in Africa, probably a little bit, you know, Asia, I mean, uh, South America, some... Everybody is really focused on these these main targets, and that's why, in some sense, they're so good about it. They're not distracted. They don't have to. They don't have a long list of things to worry about. This is what they focus on. This is what they get at doing. When you think about North Korea and your years of uh, looking at the country and writing your your novels, uh, what's the one takeaway? that most people would be surprised uh, in, in knowing about North Korea? I th- I'm sure of this. People are surprised to understand that this is, in many ways, if you get under some of the initial layers, it's a Korean society. Uh, people interact like Koreans. It operates like a... a group of human beings on earth who were raised in in a Korean environment. It looks and feels like Korea, in many ways, like Korea, South Korea in the late 1970s, early 1980s. There's there's some energy there now. Um, There's some uh, growth. Uh, People are beginning to feel that that the economic system is giving them some space even though the political system remains, the circle remains quite tight. Got to remember in South Korea, it was very similar in the the 1970s, in the early 1980s. The economic space for people to operate grew and grew, and people knew what it was, and they operated within it pretty well. The political space was pretty tough, and if you stepped over the line, you got smashed. They adapted to that. And they lived with it for many, many years until obviously they got sick and tired of it. Uh, in the north, I think they're they're just about uh, in the same place in that regard that the South Koreans were in this in the late seventies, early eighties. Very interesting. Now, your last book was "The Gentleman from Japan." Uh, do you have another Inspector O book uh, in the works? I I don't think so. I. <laughs> 
I never thought I would write another one, and then I wrote another one, and then didn't think. <laughs> I know. I understand. <laughs> yeah. But I really think this time I'm not joking. Uh, I, look, O is getting to be an old man. <laughs> and it's hard to imagine him coming back. Uh, if I got incredibly um, itchy, I, I suppose I might be able to do it. But I then I'd have to write an eighth book. I don't like odd numbers. I wouldn't <laughs> seven. That's hard to do. It's hard to to write two at once. I don't understand how some of these authors have, you know, fifteen books out there and keep writing every year. And my hat is off to them. I can't. I can't produce like that. Although I must say, I go to the bookstore sometimes and I see um, some of these authors have uh, like 10, 11, 12 books on the shelf. And I may have one. And I think to comfort myself, I think to myself, oh, dear, they can't sell any of their books. Look at that. (laughs) (laughs) And and all of mine are gone. That's great. (laughs) That's I'm going to have to remember that the next time I walk through a bookstore. That's that's good sound advice. Yeah, well, you you should sit next to Dorothy Chandler sometimes, and and uh, which is what where I am on the bookshelf. You know, how many books does she have on the shelf? Uh, loads. Right, right. My, my only hope is someone will reach for a Dorothy Chandler book and hit James Church instead, and pull it off and say, "Oh, well, this looks interesting." <laughs> well, I know Lacare brought uh, George Smiley out of retirement in his last book, so uh, just. Ah. Just as a fan of yours, uh, you should think about it. I'm sure Inspector O still has a few more things up his sleeve. Well, that's nice to know. Thank you. I'll think, I'll think about it. I think that's all the time we have uh, for this podcast. Uh, for those of you uh, interested in more, I would encourage you to certainly take a look at uh, James Church uh, Inspector O series. Uh, uh, it's a wonderful look into... Uh, the region, which includes North Korea and China. And uh, I've greatly enjoyed uh, our time discussing uh, his books today. Thank you, Fred. Nice talking to you. Nice talking to you, sir. That's it for our conversation with author James Church about his unique perspective on life inside North Korea. We'll include a link to his Inspector O novels, including A Corpse in the Koryo, the first installment of the six-book series in the show notes. It's definitely worth checking out. For more insights into developments on the Korean Peninsula today and what it means for the rest of the world, be sure to read our latest assessments at Stratfor Worldview. If you're not already a Worldview member, you can sign up for our free newsletter or learn more about individual team and enterprise access at worldview.stratfor.com slash subscribe. And you can also share your thoughts on this podcast and current developments in North Korea in our members-only forum. And for more geopolitical intelligence, analysis, and forecasting that reveal the underlying significance and future implications of emerging world events, follow us on Twitter at Stratfall.